Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here. Last week, we began a new series of sermons looking at the new year that focused on a renewed vision for the elements of worship and ministry, which the Lord Jesus himself has ordained for his church. Now, these elements of ministry and worship, well, they're not necessarily flashly, flashly or trendy, but we see this for sure, that Jesus is the one who has appointed these things for us to walk in. And so we as his children should be faithful to follow through with them. Now, last Sunday, I challenged you to have a renewed vision for a devotion to Christ. What, what we saw that within the first Christians, the overarching characteristic was that they were continually devoting themselves to Christ. And this must be the overarching characteristic in our life, that we are continually devoting ourselves to Christ, that we're truly, truly seeking for the glory of Christ in every dimension of our lives individually, as well as corporately as a church, that we really would seek to be devoted to Jesus Christ. Now this morning I want to return to the early church and I want us to gain a vision for gathered worship. A few weeks ago I had mentioned what my grandparents called the Sabbath, my parents called Sunday, and now it's what we call the weekend. The idea is that we've really lost the importance of the Lord's Day. And in South Florida, where there's such nice weather and countless things to do, we find ourselves often neglecting the gathering together for worship. I used to tell people back in the 90s that any given Sunday, 25% of the congregation won't be there. Uh, but I have to say, uh, within this new decade, I think it's anywhere from 35 to 50% of the congregation won't be there on any given Sunday. I think we've lost the importance of the Lord's Day. Now, the writer of Hebrews was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, Do not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, none of us know the day or the hour that Jesus is going to come back, but this one thing I can tell you with all my theological training that we're one day closer to the Jesus coming back today than what we were yesterday, all right? I know, I know, it's amazing the amount of theology I know. So the idea is that we shouldn't be waning in our gathering together, but as we should be gaining in the understanding the importance of us gathering together. And, and I, I love the way the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews when he says, um, our own assembling together. You know, it's ours. It's our own. And maybe we don't look at it that way, but this is ours. This is something that God has given to us. It's our own assembly together. But he says, do not forsake. And this, this word forsake doesn't mean being absent. All right, because occasionally everybody misses a worship service. And I, I don't want to become legalistic here. The word forsake means to desert or to abandon. It, it, it's, it's, there's an, been an attitude change in your mind and in your heart. You're, you're, you're casting it aside. 
the importance of gathered worship. It basically works like this, where one Sunday turns into two Sundays, two Sundays turn into a month, one month turns into three months. Houston, we have a problem. So I, and I've always been, I've always admired the Apostle John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the gospel. And he was on this island all by himself. No one else was around. He was, he didn't even have Wilson with him, all right? <laughs> and he's on this island and he's all alone, isolated from humanity, but he still worshiped on the Lord's Day. In the first uh, chapter of the book of Revelation, John writes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Nobody else around, but he still saw the importance, knew the importance of gathering if it was just him and the pigeons. So all this started me wondering why it is, why it is that people who claim to be Christians don't regularly gather together for worship, you know. There's ample scripture to prove, pointing to the fact that God has called us as his people to gather together on the Lord's Day. The book of Acts records that the church gathered together on the first day of the week. The book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul mentions that the church assembled together. They came together and they offered offerings on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the Lord's Day. So maybe it's our attitude, maybe it's our mindset. Maybe we, we, we think more about coming to church than gathering to, as a church. Maybe we think more about, about the fact that we're going to church instead of gathering as the church. You see, as each one of you get out of your cars and walk in here, it's, it's, like, it's like the Lord is putting the body of Christ together. He's assembling his body together. You see, it's, it's not that, we're, that, you're, that you came to church. It's the idea that the church comes together. We are the church and we come together. We come together. But this really didn't give me any sense of an answer of why it is that people who claim to be Christians often neglect gathered worship. Now, I'm going to suggest to you this morning that the reason why so many people who claim to be Christians don't regularly participate and gather together for public worship is because we lack a sense of expectation. We lack a sense of expectation. So just just follow me here. You're going to go to the football game and you expect to have a great time tailgating. You expect it's going to be fun watching your football team win, unless you're a Dolphins fan, but we can talk about that later. And, and, you're, and you anticipate that there's going to be traffic, there's going to be a crowd, you're going to have to put up with, with annoying people, but you're willing to go through all that stuff. Because you have a high expectation that it's going to be a good time. So my question to you is, what is your expectation for a gathered worship service? Did you walk in here today with any expectation? 
Do you expect that God is going to show up and perform wonders? Do you expect that God is going to call your name today? Or have you just settled for the norm, the common, the every Sunday routine? I've always enjoyed the show, The Price is Right. Who, 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 who likes the, the show Price is Right, right? And I don't get to watch it uh, much anymore. I did when I was a kid and such. But I, during the holidays, I was able to catch an episode of uh, The Price is Right. You know, Drew Carey does a, such a great job and, and such. And so I was watching this show. And the thought came to me, it really... It really isn't the prizes that these people win that really makes this show so great. I mean, the idea is, okay, you win a car. Yeah, that's cool and stuff like that. Or maybe a new washing machine. Okay, what? But that, winning the prizes, I mean, that's like, I mean, winning the lottery. Now, that's a big deal. But winning, you know, price is right. So, but it's like such a fun game. And why is that? It's the audience. Everybody who is in that audience has a high sense of expectation that they're going to hear their name and then says, come on down. And everybody is so excited and everybody, you ever see these people? They go off the rocket here. Everybody's crazy with excitement. Why? Because they have a high sense of expectation. But that's not the way many people are in the audience of the church. So what I'm suggesting is that maybe we as believers lack a sense of expectation of what God actually is going to do in a worship service. Maybe we've settled for the regular, settled for the ordinary, settled for the normal. And we lack a sense of expectation that God is going to work wonders in our lives and in our church. We lack a sense of expectation that God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or even think. Amen? Amen. So this morning, what I'd like to do is for us to revisit the early church. And I want to revisit the first year of the early church to capture a renewed vision for gathered worship. We're going to take a journey through the first four chapters of Acts, and we're going to look at five episodes to discover what the early church expected to happen when they gathered for worship. And I'm asking God that he would give us a high sense of these expectations in our lives and in this church. This morning, I want you to see that the early church expected to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as they gathered for worship. They expected their hearts to be pierced by the word of God as they gathered for worship. They expected souls to be saved when they gathered for worship. They expected to be healed as they gathered together. And they expected God to intervene into their lives and into their world as they gathered for worship. That's what we see within the life of the early church. Oh, Lord, give us, give us that sense of expectation today. First, the early church expected to be empowered by the Holy Spirit when they gathered for worship. 
Remember that after Jesus' resurrection and just prior to his ascension back to the Father, he told his faithful followers, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of of my Father promised. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we see that these faithful followers of Christ gathered together in an upper room for 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit. And the scripture tells us that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared upon them tongues as of fire distributed on themselves and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, I understand that this episode in Acts chapter 2 is a special episode in the birth of the church. I understand the significance behind this episode and how unique this episode in Acts chapter 2 is. But that uniqueness should not hinder us, should not stop us from expecting an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives as we gather together in this room. In Acts chapter 13, we're told that the, the early church, the Christians, were continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, this is the charging station right here. When we gather together, we should expect to be empowered and renewed and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. And I'm telling you, that's what we need. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Father gave us His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for the gift of eternal life. Jesus Christ gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit for this life. And we need to be filled with the Spirit. And we need to expect that when we gather here, that God is going to renew us if a new sense and fulfilling sense of the Holy Ghost. You know, early church not only expected to be empowered by the Holy Spirit but they, when they gathered for worship, but they, they also expected their hearts to be pierced. By the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about you listening to a sermon, because you can listen to a sermon online. You, you don't have to come to a gathered worship service to listen to a sermon. It's www.christcovenant.cc. <laughs> Go to media. It's all right there. The Bible tells us that those who listened to Peter's sermon on that day of Pentecost that I described earlier, it tells us that they were pierced to the heart when they heard Peter preached. And later on in that chapter, it tells us that they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What I'm suggesting is that when we gather for worship, we should have an expectation that the Word of God is going to pierce our hearts. It's going to pierce our heart as far as the soul and the spirit. It's going to cut through all of our wacky thoughts and our evil intentions. And it's going to lay us bare. The word of God is going to lay us bare in the sight of God so that he can do with us what he wants. 
But is that what you came in here for today? Was your prayer when you came in here today saying, Lord, use your word to pierce my heart? I don't think so. We don't think like that anymore. Why don't we? It's weird, right? The thing that God wants us to enjoy, the thing he wants us to experience, the thing that is best for us, we, we just go brain dead. I don't get it. Brothers and sisters, I believe we should have a high expectation that the word of God will not return void until it accomplishes all that the Lord pleases. As we gather for worship, we should expect souls to be saved. The crowd that heard Peter preach on that day of Pentecost, again, they were pierced to the heart. But then they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, for all who are far off, as many of the Lord God shall call to himself. And on that day, 3,000 souls came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 3,000. That's a revival. And then you'll find these little statements throughout the first part of, of Acts when it says that the church gathered together and as the church added, gathered together that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Is that the type of expectation we have? Brothers and sisters, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for I believe it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But I fear that we, and I'm including myself here, have lost an expectation that God will use the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. I fear that we have resorted to clever presentations and the use of props instead of believing that the preaching of the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ has the power to save lives. I really believe that we should follow the example of the early church and we should expect souls to be saved as we gather for, for worship. Maybe, maybe that's the reason why we don't invite our unsaved friends and family members to church. Because we really don't believe that God can use the worship service and the preaching of the word to bring them to Christ. I mean, because if, if we really believe that, if we really believe that, then the most loving thing we could do is to invite our unsaved friends to church. Maybe we've just lost it. Now, it was a few days after the birth of the church where these 3,000 souls came to believe on Jesus Christ. And we're told in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John were going up to the temple. Now, the book of Acts, as well as church history, teaches us that the early church would gather together on the porch of Solomon's temple because it was a large open area, a place where you could get 3,000 plus people there. And that's where they would gather for, for worship. And they did this regularly, day by day. So here it is, a Peter and John were two apostles were going up to the temple for gathered worship. And there was a man who had been lame from his mother's womb 
who was at the, the gate called Beautiful, and he was begging for alms as people entered into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, then he began to ask them for alms. And Peter, along with John, they fixed their eyes on this guy and they said, look at us. And he began to give them his intentions, the Bible says, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter says, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now remember, this guy had been lame from birth. So he had no muscle structure or anything like that. He had no practice even knowing how to walk or anything like that. And it's like one moment he's lame and the next thing he's walking and leaping and having a dance-off contest. But notice this, this lame man, when he gave his attention to Peter and John, the, the scripture notes expecting to receive something from them. So he, he looks at Peter and John expecting to receive something from them. So what do you think he was expecting to receive? The same thing he had received from other people every other day that he was at the temple. A couple of coins in his basket. That's what he was expecting to receive. But what the Lord had for him was much, much more than just a couple coins in the basket. And maybe, just maybe, we're like the lame man. And we have lowered our expectation to the point where we're content for just the same old thing when we gather for worship instead of expecting great things from God. Now, Peter would go on to explain to the crowd because the crowd was all amazed that this guy was walking and leaping and praising God that he had been completely healed. And Peter explained to the crowd that it wasn't by their power or their piety that the man was healed, but because of the faith in the name of Jesus that this man is now in perfect health. Brothers and sisters, every Lord's Day, after the service, we have the elders come down front to pray for anyone who has a need. We do this because God's Word tells us to do that. In the book of James, chapter 5, tells us that if any are suffering, any are cheerful, any sick among you, that the elders of the church are to pray over them in faith For the prayer offered in faith will restore one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. The Holy Spirit goes on to inspire the Apostle James in saying that the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Do we really believe that? Or we just come down front because it's something that the church says we should do? I mean, do you come down front expecting 
to receive just the same old thing? Are you coming down front for prayer because you believe that the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much? That you believe that God can work wonders in your life and overcome your suffering and your sickness? And he's going to take our time of gathered worship and gathered prayer to do that? Is that your sense that God's going to do it? God's going to do it. Now listen, we're all grown-ups here. None of us know the providence of God. Listen, I, I know eventually in my life and as well as in yours that eventually there's going to be one prayer for healing that's not going to be answered and the Lord's going to take me home one day. And I don't know when that last prayer is. But I'm here to tell you every prayer until then, I'm going to pray in faith believing that God's going to bring healing. That's what we do. That's what we do. Jesus said some really wild things. And one of the things he says, all things you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive. <laughs> and that's what we do together as family. We believe that God is going to bring healing. We expect God is going to use our gathering together to bring healing. To relieve our suffering. To give us an opportunity to be able to share the joys and the accomplishments of God in our lives. Now, the, the healing of the lame man, well, it actually got Peter and John thrown into prison. Now we're in Acts chapter 4. And eventually they were released. And when they were released, the church gathered together. And they gathered together with an expectation that God was going to intervene against the threats and authorities, uh, the, against the threats that the authorities had been making against the church. So I just want you to listen to the last part of their prayer. And you can read it for yourself in the middle part of Acts chapter 4. Now, Lord, take note of their threats. And grant that your bondservants may speak your word without, with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. These people believed that God was going to show up. Listen to their prayer. Let's just take it segment by segment. Lord, take note of their threats. These people believe that the Lord was intimately aware of their circumstances and their situation. Hey, Lord, you know these guys have been threatening us, right? Yeah. Well, hey, will you please take note of that? So what I'm saying is when we gather for worship, we should have an understand that God is intimately knowledgeable of your situation, your circumstances, what you're going through, the threats in your life. Lord. Take note. And the Lord will do that. Notice they go on. Grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. <laughs> they, they, they knew their need for holy boldness. Grant that your bondservants may speak your word with confidence. Because I don't know about you, but I know of me. Sometimes when I feel threatened, I kind of back up a little bit. Which is exactly the wrong thing to do. 
And they knew their tendency to back away from the gospel, from back away from the word of God. They knew their fleshly tendency was to, to downshift. And so what they're doing is they're asking, Lord, give us all holy boldness to speak your word. And then, and while you do that, Lord, <laughs> while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. These people actually believe it. Can you believe it? They're spiritual wackos. These people actually believed that God was going to extend his hand into their world and was going to perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can extend his hand into your world, into your life, into the situations that you're in, and that he will perform powers and wonders in your life? Amen. That's exactly what we should expect when we gather together for worship. These believers expected that God was going to show up. And guess what? He did. The next verse says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and the whole place was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Brothers and sisters, when we gather for worship, we should expect God to show up. We should expect God to intervene into our world. We should expect God to shake things up. Amen? Now, some of you might say, Pastor, you're getting really excited this morning. Somebody uh, told me after one of the Christmas Eve services, guy says, you're the most Baptist PCA pastor I've ever met. <laughs> and I took it as a compliment, you know. And you might be saying right now, you're the most Pentecostal PCA pastor I've ever met. But first and foremost, I'm a Bible preacher. And the Bible tells us that we should have a high expectation that God is going to show up when we gather for worship. Jesus says, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. And brothers, I don't know, can you see there's more than two or three of us here? Jesus is in our midst. I just want to just tell you, as we enter into this 30th year of ministry here at Christ Covenant, and most of you know I've been here since the beginning, this ain't my first rodeo. But I'm tired of the normal. I'm tired of the ordinary. I'm tired of just the Sunday routine. I want the Holy Spirit to come upon us where we really have a sense that God is going to call our name and say, come on down. Amen. Come on down and experience what the Lord is doing and expect that he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask and think. Amen. Amen. As we enter into this 30th year of ministry, let's have a renewed vision for gathered worship. Let us join the early church and expect to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as we gather together for worship. Let's expect that our hearts are going to be pierced by the word of God as we gather together. 
Let's expect that souls are going to be saved as we gather together. Let's expect that God is going to bring healing as we gather together. Let's expect God is going to intervene in our lives as we gather together. Oh Lord, give us a high sense of expectation as we gather together for worship. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we come to you today and thanking you for the testimony of the early church and the way that you worked in their heart and life. And Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we pray that you would give us a high sense of expectation of what you will do as we gather together for worship. Lord, we come to you today and ask you to pour out your spirit upon us, empower us with your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to pierce our heart by your word. Lord, do spiritual surgery on our hearts. Save ourselves from our thoughts and the evil intentions of our lives. Lord God, save souls as we gather together for worship. And someone might be here today and today God's calling your name. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Claim me as a child of God. And as a child of God, Lord, we come asking you, Lord, to adopt us as your kids. Lord, as we gather together, we pray that you would bring healing. And there are some here today, Lord, that need that healing. They're suffering. They're going through a time of pain. And Lord, give us faith to believe that you'll bring healing as we gather together for worship. Lord, intervene in our lives. And as we gather in worship, in, in worship, Lord, we pray that you'd give us a high sense of faith, believing that you are extending your hand into our world, individually, corporately. Lord, give us a sense that you will, by your power, work wonders. Lord, work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.